This is a Warminster Community Radio podcast. Welcome to Around Warminster. I'm Andrew Robinson here at Civic Centre Studios. Now, we've got lots on this week's edition of the podcast uh, because it seems to be all happening at the moment. Uh, we've got a strategic planning committee meeting coming up in the week ahead uh, in Trowbridge at Wiltshire Council, where they're going to be talking about these 205 homes planned on land around uh, where... Uh, Westbury Road sort of area of the town, uh, that sort of triangle of land um, uh, between the railway line, the A350 and Westbury Road. We'll talk about that later on in this episode. We're going to be talking about car parking as well. We've got the Mayor of Warminster here to talk about car parking and the town centre. Uh, but first of all, we're going to talk about number three, the high street. Rumours are circulating. Uh, it seems like demolition. Well, I say demolition and more like dismantling um, because it, w- it will be done quite carefully, I think, uh, is could be about to start uh, any day now. Uh, There's no planning permission for it. There might be some kind of court order which suggests that uh, they might be allowed to do it to make uh, number three, the high street, safe. It's all very, very complicated. Uh, To try to understand this more, we had the ward councillor, the division councillor for Warminster East, which the high street is in, uh, here in the studio, councillor Andrew Davis representing the Conservatives. And here's what he had to say about it all. What's the latest? Because there's a okay. lot circulate, lots there's, of rumours circulating. There's, there's rumours and speculations so that the building is going to be demolished. And in a moment, if I can just address that in a moment, if that's OK. Firstly, I would say that I don't think there's anybody in the town that wouldn't want something to happen to Three the High Street. It is an eyesore. It does look a bit unsafe. And it's been there an awful long time. And it, it is time to say enough's enough. To that point, though... Up till the end of last year, there was a potential planning application coming in for that, that for the building, for Three the High Street. Now, the planning application was originally granted back in um, about five years ago, about five years ago, to demolish the building and redevelop the site, which included some houses and everything like that. And you know, as because you've asked me a number of times about oh, yes. what's happening about Three the High Street, I said, well... Whilst there's a live planning application on the building, there's no way of doing any form of enforcement on it because the owner would just say, but I've got a live planning application to do it. If I'm going to take five years to to start my planning permission, I can take five years to start my planning permission. So my answer to you then was always there's a live planning permission, so enforcement can't happen. Well, subsequently, when the planning application was renewed, it was it was withdrawn. So technically, by all reason, at this precise moment, there is no planning permission or anything on that building. And it just stands a derelict site um, decaying. So at that point, and I heard a bit earlier that you said, well, I wonder if it's anything going to do because of an election. Uh But I will say I'll be ahead of you there because we've already, Wiltshire Council has already done enforcement. Enforcement has taken place, and nothing I'm saying it's a public on public record that under a court order, the owner of the property was ordered 
to make the building safe. To which end, it was around the time when you started seeing the wooden pallets appear on the side of the scaffolding mm-hmm. and the extra netting around the scaffolding. So at that point there, that was after the order from the, the court order to make the building safe. It, that's when it that's when the. That's when it started. That's when you knew that the thing, because the owner started to do some preparation mm. to make the thing safe. And Wiltshire Council has been inspecting the building regularly anyway, hasn't it? They have been inspecting the building. And indeed, the scaffolding licence still always requires a permit and everything like mm. that. Which brings me on to the next point. Uh, two or three weeks ago, the owner, the arch- an architect and officers of Wiltshire Council looked round the site... Um, and advise the owner of the way to go, the way to go forward. Mm. Now, I've I, I got to leave it at that point because obviously what happens is in, in negotiations that aren't in the public domain and that. But subsequently, speculation or rumour is going around that the building is going to be demolished. OK, now I'm just going to go on a general point. Yes. In the same way that you require planning permission to build anything, you also require planning permission to demolish any to demolish a building. The reason for that is being that um, in the same way, building control, when you're I mean, lots of your listeners would have done building developments and had extensions. And, things. Yeah. and at each stage. A building control officer visits the site to say, I'm happy with the footings. I'm happy with the brickwork. I'm happy with that until the building's where it's signed off. Demolishing a building is the same in that when you want to demolish a building, you apply for planning permission to demolish the building so that the building control can go in at various stages and say, hold on a minute, you're not putting that skip where we agreed you're going to put that skip. You know, there's conditions in relation to it. You know, your vehicles coming off the site are causing mud on the road and all this sort of thing. And all of those things would have been conditioned. And so that's why you need planning permission to demolish a building well presumably particularly with i mean this one is right on the the main road as well isn't it so even more so in that respect and also the conditions also would condition how if we refer to three the high street as i was talking generally yes sorry yes you refer to three you're quite right because of the proximity to other very important listed buildings and indeed three the high street of course is a listed building you know so it, it does it does relate in that in that respect that um because of its proximity to other things, that you can't just go in with a, well, a wrecking ball and start mm. knocking it down. If you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean, um, but that would be that would be one of the conditions. This building must be taken down in a careful way, brick by brick, using this and that, and that, and that would be conditioned so you know how it's going to be demolished. The only problem is, though, and we will go to through the high street now, is that all the planning applications are in the public domain for people to apply. And as yet, no permission to demolish the three high street has been put on record. I say that it's not in the public record yet. There may be a planning permission submitted. I don't know. But you see, it goes through verification before it goes as a public. um, Before you start seeing the planning notices go up on anything, it goes through verification and checking out of statistics and ownership and all that sort of stuff before it becomes a live planning application. Only so that might be with Wiltshire Council at the moment. And so we could be expecting a planning application very shortly. But I, I, I'm, and I am honestly not aware if there is an application in. But that's 
Wiltshire Council have advised the owner you need to apply for planning. And this was at the meeting two or three weeks ago. Here's the way you go about it. Do that. Okay, so the speculation is a little bit ahead of, uh, well, not necessarily even ahead because we don't know whether it's coming. But the the, the speculation at this stage is just that. Well, (laughs) you say that, although I've not seen one of these letters, but apparently local businesses and people with properties around the area have been informed that, you know, they're they're going to start on Monday. That's what I've not. Ah, okay. (laughs) I've, I've not seen that letter, but this is how... Some councillors were made aware of it that um, a reputable demolition firm for the the thing um, has notified businesses around. Okay, and we we have to be a little bit careful or very careful, um, but just talking uh, what ifs. I mean, if work was to take start taking place on Monday, then that would be without planning permission. That's right. That's right. And, th- well, that at this precise point... Because there is no that, planning permission that, in that's place. That's correct. And like you say, we have to be very careful, we say, because it is an ongoing... Uh, and, I, and, we, and I'm not aware, or the public are not aware of anything that might be going on behind the scenes. Mm. There is this other point, Andrew, while we're talking about... If I could just relate back to the previous planning application. Yes. <clears throat> I've just thought of something else in relation to demolishing at the moment, but I'll come back to that. If we go back to the, the previous planning application, the planning application said permission to demolish a building, redevelop the site with some houses and some flats, but keeping the original facade of the listed building. So by that score, it was it was quite good. Well, I say where, where appropriate to keep the idea of the original building yes. it may have not been possible to keep the actual front but the building that was going to be going under the planning permission that was a live planning permission once a time did involve the building somewhat looking not unlike what it currently not what, no. it, looked like, <laughs> what it looked like it originally yes <laughs> yeah, yeah before the scaffolding okay. went, before up, the yeah. went <laughs> up yes it was going to look as though it would have been a modern day building built in the style of a listed building mm. okay and so Permission was granted for that because the application included refusing. Uh, uh, sorry, the, the application included permission to to demolish the building. But mm. we knew what was going to be built after the building, the, the original building, was demolished. Now, if you take that the other way, could you say? And the and the two things that have been pitched in speculation is could you say that because there was once a live permission that it allowed to demolish the building, well, that's that could go ahead. You know, that would be, if you were to apply for planning permission, you could demolish it, you know, because a live planning permission earlier said you could. But there's no background to the one mm. right there. And the other point is, is that could it be deemed that if a court order ordered the owner to make the building safe, one of the reasons to make the building safe would be to demolish the building. Indeed. So would, <laughs> so, so would the owner have a court order giving him permission to demolish the building? And that's where we have to stop the conversation there because that's the fine line between is the building savable and it's the, the front part of the building listed, save, be able to be saved, or is it... 
able to be demolished. Yes. Well, we probably should leave it there because we're in the realms of talking it's, about it court is... orders and things, aren't we? So we, we, yeah, no, we want to be a little bit that's, careful. That's a bit, no, but no, well, nothing I've said about court orders isn't in the public domain. No, correct. That's, and, and like I say, but when we get to realms of speculation, then that's where we, we've got to be careful what we, what we say. Okay. Um, uh, well, talking of realms of speculation, uh, I just want to briefly talk to you about uh, the, the journal this week, and uh, which is talking about pedestrianisation. Yeah. Uh, now, you and I have been in Warminster for a long time. You a little bit longer than me, All I'm afraid life, yeah. to say. Um, <laughs> and this this has come up before, hasn't it? Now, I, I, I the reason I specifically wanted to ask you about this is because um, when you were mayor the, the first time round, which I can't remember exactly the year. 2003, 2004. There we go. Um, well, I was <laughs> in my last year of primary school then, and um, our teacher, it was it was the time this was being talked about at that point, and our teacher thought, well, it's a really good uh, it's a really good idea that as a letter writing opportunity. So um, what we did is we um, uh, we we went into the town centre and we did some questionnaires and we stopped sort of brave of us, wasn't it? At Eleven, we stopped members of the public. And uh, anyway, we went back to uh, school and we we wrote the town council when you were mayor some letters. Um, and uh, our then uh, summary was that pedestrianisation w- was a very good idea but it wouldn't work in Warminster. Now, would you agree with that still? How, what are we now 20 um, years later? Yeah, in actual fact, you've just reminded me. I was, tw- I was the mayor 20 years ago. Yeah. I didn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, no, sadly, those findings would probably be what I would still agree with today. And can I give you the reasons for that? Mm, yeah. I mean, just going back a little bit through the history of Warminster, we went through an awful nightmare when... No, not an awful night. Sorry, that's not the right words. When it was deemed a very good idea to widen the pavement in the existing town centre. Yes. And you appreciate the logic behind that then was the fact of safety of the pedestrian public and people, the, the onset of motability scooters were coming in. So you wanted people with motability scooters and everything to be able to ride on the pavement to do their, and be able to pass on a pavement without having to go on the road. Mm. And I can recall, certainly it was less than 20 years ago, when the town went through the widening of the pavements that you now have, that everybody thinks things... Yeah, you're it looking was at chaos, wasn't it? I it remember was, it was one way through the town for a while, wasn't it? it was and things like absolute, that. Absolute, it was absolute <laughs> chaos. And okay, I will call it a bit of a nightmare. But we, but the initial thing of doing it was done it with good reason, mm. and and. I'm sure people walking around the town centre now are quite happy that the pavements are wider and everything, and it's and it's and it's all well and good. The problem with complete pedestrianisation, as it always has been, and indeed going back longer than I was the mayor, when I was the president of the Chamber of Commerce, when we used to have a we had a street fair um, many years ago, um, was the fact that. You've got to realise the road through the centre of Warminster is technically the A36, the old A36. Yes. Indeed, isn't the number for the road going through the town the A36? No, it's not the A36. It's, 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 a, it's a B now. It's a B, it's a B, yeah, it's a B road, something. isn't it? Yeah. But, but it, it would, to all intents and purposes, become, to all intents and purposes, 
if there was an incident on the bypass... Yes, which we've had this morning. It was closed this morning for a while, yes. Okay, well, certain stages of the bypass would involve vehicles of all sizes still being able to go through the town centre. And, of course, that wouldn't be possible... um, if, or wouldn't be possible to negotiate around Warminster, bearing in mind the weight limit on Imber Bridge. If you had, you know, if you could, well, yeah. I can think of another diversionary. If you had the pedestrian centre, we can divert everything around that. But there's a weight limit on Imber Bridge um, and everything like that. So you have to remember the road always has to remain accessible in the event of an emergency, which can be highlighted again by. The more recent street fair we had at Christmas, the stalls were to the sides and there was, and it was lovely for the public to be able to walk down the middle of the road, but in the event of an incident, the stalls wouldn't have impeded vehicles moving up and down the road. Mm. So that's really the lovely idea, but I'm afraid, sadly, I don't believe it would work for Warminster. I think think that the, the, the problem... Warminster has in that respect is we're a linear town aren't we Um, and other than Cop Heap the town centre is the only way Uh, and of course Smallbrook Road and then we come to the Toads but we won't talk (laughs) about that we won't talk about that today can I just say that when you say about a linear town one of the selling points that I think should be picked up completely is that virtually I used to tell people if you come to Warminster and you want to go shopping you can virtually walk down one side and go off on all of its various things. Cross the road and walk up the other yes. side and go down all the various things. And you would have seen the whole town shopping centre, rather than all different mismatch all over the place. Councillor Andrew Davis for the Conservatives are in Warminster East. We shall see, shan't we, uh, in the week ahead, whether anything happens at Three the High Street. Of course, if it is dismantled, that isn't the end of it either. Uh, What's going to go in its place? Uh, All of this, we're no doubt going to come back to talk about more on this podcast in the future. Now, another hot potato in the town at the moment is car parking. Uh, The town council is ending the refund car parking scheme. It wasn't used by uh, many local businesses. They've asked for ideas. The Warminster Business Network came up with this idea of a loyalty scheme. Uh, So you'd get uh, stamps for a certain number of... Uh, for spending a certain amount of money in shops that would put you into a prize draw well it doesn't look like it's going to happen the town council's town development committee were against it Uh, so it's not moving forward with that and they want new ideas i discussed all this with the mayor of warminster councillor philip keeble back at um, a council meeting october november whenever it was last year um we made a decision that the parking partnership scheme, um, whereby people can get refunds on part of their parking, um, was no longer fit for purpose. There was only a few shops that operated it, and um, it it didn't really promote you know people to to come into town and stay in town for any length of time, and um, and for the shopkeepers it was was a bit of a you know. The administration involved with far outweighed the benefits, and so we decided that the we we spent annually probably about four thousand pounds. So we, we thought that we're better off using that money in a different way. So the the parking partnership scheme has now ceased, and on the table at the full council this week was a proposal for a loyalty scheme, um, whereby. Um, people would have a card and you go into a shop, you spend in excess of £10, you get a stamp on your card 
And when you got, I think, eight stamps, you could set, uh, submit it and it goes into a monthly prize draw for a cash prize. Um, Councillors thought that wasn't perhaps the best way to, um, to use that money. And so it's rejected. And so we're now looking for an alternative to that, a scheme which promotes people to come into Warminster to spend their money in Warminster um, and and whilst it's kind of you know obviously the, you know the town centre is always the focus but Warminster businesses in general there's more to Warminster businesses than, than just the town centre um, so yeah we're looking for, for an alter, alternative now to as, as a way to spend that that money um, and free parking is not the answer um, people, you know, people say to me many times, and I've seen it on social media this week in, in response to, to this question, free parking, you know, for one hour, it would cost the council, therefore the taxpayer, £45,000 a year. For two hours free parking, £90,000 a year. So, you know, that's, that's out of the question. Um, I also see on social media, people say, oh, you know, we need more shops. We need landlords to, to, to revamp. That you know the, the tatty buildings. Yes, they're all things we know about and we wish we could do something about, but they're all outside the control of, of the council and outside you know a budget of four thousand pound. So what we're looking for is scheme ideas for schemes that would would um, uh, encourage people to come into Warminster and spend their money with Warminster businesses. Uh, and if there aren't any uh, ideas forthcoming, uh, will you go back to the refund scheme? Uh, I don't know. I don't think we go back to the refund scheme because it wasn't working. It wasn't working. Um, I, I think. I mean, I, I was in favour of this loyalty scheme, and but I think with a little bit of work around the loyalty scheme, maybe there's an answer there. But but the way it was, I think, in hindsight, it probably wasn't. It wasn't the right solution. I don't think there is a perfect solution. Um, I mean, in, in parallel to that, but separately to that, we're also working with Wiltshire Council and, again, the Warminster Business Network um, to see if we can restructure the parking charges that Wiltshire Council charge for their car parks. Because, again, it doesn't encourage people to stay in Warminster for, for long periods. It's very short-termism. Um, but that's a separate issue, and we're looking at that um, Wiltshire Council are open to that, they tell us, as long as the revenue um, is still the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking at ways we can restructure the charges. So let people, so Wiltshire Council would get the same amount of money, but yeah. people would be able to stay longer potentially for what they pay, that's, that sort of thing. That, that's sort of what we're looking at, yeah. as to whether we, whether we can restructure it around that. And, you know, I think that will do more to encourage people into Walmart than anything else, as, as you know, they're you know maybe 50p and they can stay two hours or three hours rather than you know one hour or you know it's, it's, and again the different car parks all cha- charge different amounts there's, yes. there's no logic to it no so. that's also quite complicated so, yeah, isn't yeah. It? yeah so we're looking at how at ways we can improve that but that is a separate issue to the loyalty scheme Okay, so the yeah. work sort of is ongoing on, on ongoing. both of those yeah. both of those yeah. issues. Um, yeah. Now, I know that you wanted to there are uh, you wanted to talk about CCTV, yeah, um, because this is another big 
I think I, I don't think many people can argue that over the however many 20 or so years that we've had it, uh, it it's been a big town success story the CCTV hasn't it absolutely I mean I, I, I was privileged um, it was at the start of my period as mayor so back last May to open up the new CCTV system and it is an absolutely amazing fantastic system state-of-the-art and we've had a number of successes through the year and you know the latest one is um, uh, courts and shoplifters uh, who have been shoplifting here in Warminster and in Westbury um, they were picked up at, um, shoplifting police were contacted um, they, they were tracked down in Westbury where they were also shoplifting. The police caught them. They were also in a car that was, that was uh, untaxed, no MOT, no insurance. So the car was, was impounded. All the goods were recovered and will be returned to the shops. And, you know, the shops are delighted. Shoplifting destroys small businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, insurance is one thing, but, you know, it, it just destroys small business. They can't afford those losses. So they are delighted they got their goods back. Um, you know, it just proves the, C- the value of CCTV in keeping Warminster a safe play- place and telling you know, would-be shoplifters, criminal, cr- um, criminals, people that want you know, anti-social behaviour, that Warm- you know, if, you, if you want to do it at Warminster or Westbury, which we also cover, you know, you're going to be caught. Mm. So it's, it sends out a good message. Um, and uh, another good message that we have is that uh, we've got this spring market coming up. This follows the, the success at Christmas, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we all know the success of the Christmas market and, and Christmas lights switch on. And so, um, you know, Council and Warmth to Business Network extremely keen to build on that. So we're now having um, four markets a year. So the Christmas lights switch on, a spring market, a summer market and an autumn market. Um, so the spring market is on Sunday, the 24th of March. Um, again, the town centre, as for the Christmas market, will be, will be closed off. Um, there'll also be a, Chris, uh, a market here in the Civic Centre. Um, so the Civic Centre market is now almost full. There are, I understand there are still some places, but it is almost full. And um, for the street market... There are 40 to 50 um, stalls already booked. So um, it looks like being another vibrant market. And um, I would encourage everybody to, to come along to that and let's make it a success and, you know, get the atmosphere like it was at Christmas. And, um, you know, hopefully market on market, year on year, that is something that will grow and, and will become a, um, a four times a year, if not maybe more. You know, if the success builds, then, mm. you know, we're... We'll clearly look at doing more of them, but um, yeah, let's, let's make it another great success. Well, it's really good because it, I, people often say, "Oh, look at Froome with their markets and exactly. things like that." So it, it's a good thing to uh, hopefully people come and support it, and then, as you say, if it's successful, then you know we, we can start to, to increase these things. Absolutely, yes. We? Everybody says, "Boy, can't we be more like Froome?" Well, here we are trying to be like that in terms of a street market. So let's make it a success. Hmm. Excellent. Um, can I quickly? Quickly ask you about an article in the journal this week, which is about the pharmacy. I don't know whether you saw this, that, that boots are a, a, a 
objecting to a replacement pharmacy for, for the one they closed. Now, yeah. I know obviously the town council that doesn't have any uh, involvement in the, the sort of official process, but uh, d- presumably the, the town council has concerns about capacity at, at pharmacies. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the common complaints that, that, that we hear, you know, lack of doctors, lack of pharmacies, lack of schools, all this sort of thing. And, and yes, I mean, we were as dismayed as, as anybody about the closure of, of the pharmacy at, at the avenue. Um, and, you know, I'm in a position where, where I need to go to the pharmacist quite often myself to, to pick up prescriptions. And I know... Every time I go, there's a long queue. Hmm. And, and I, there, there were long queues even with three pharmacies, you know, with, with, with the, um, the Avenue Pharmacy as well. Um, and it's even worse now. So I was dismayed to see that Boots are protesting and that they say that, you know, the queues are not that great, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because every time I go, and I try to sort of go different times of the day and find a good time, and, and never is. Um, but I don't think that they also take into consideration... The geographical situation where you've got two pharmacies now close to each other in the town centre, which means everybody has to come into the town centre. Um, that brings with it, you know, transport problems, tra- you know, traffic jams and parking problems and all this sort of thing. If there was another pharmacy on the outside of the town, and this one was proposed down on, in the Broadway area, um, then that would go some way to solve those problems of people not having to travel into the town centre and, and you know, it just spreads out the burden. And, and you know, I don't think there's any doubt we need three pharmacies. Um, and um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a great shame that Boots are protesting. And I, I, I hope it, uh, that uh, the new pharmacy is allowed. Now on Around Warminster, it's time for our summary of the last seven days. Here's Newsweek. WCR Newsweek. Headline. Parking fee refunds to cease. Sexual assault in North Row. End of prescription ordering direct service. Money for potholes. And disruption anticipated during urgent sewer works. All this and more this week on Newsweek. Parking fee refunds to cease. The Warminster Parking Partnership with refunds up to two hours of car parking in the town is to end next month. There is no replacement scheme. The decision was made by the town council last year and they have been unable to come up with an alternative which would encourage people to visit the town. A loyalty card scheme with a weekly prize draw put forward by the Warminster Business Network, WBN, has also been rejected. Councillor Chris Robbins, committee chairman, said, I personally can't see it working at all. I think parking in Warminster is quite cheap anyway. Matt Toll, chairman of the WBN, said, I would just like to know what other proposal has been put forward or thought about by the committee. Other options that were considered included one hour free parking, such as in Westbury, a discount card scheme and third party parking reward apps that would give shoppers cash back to pay for their parking. The committee will now be going back to the drawing board and trying to generate new ideas. Sexual assault in North Row. 
At around 10.30pm on Tuesday last week, a woman was sexually assaulted in North Row. The police are appealing for anyone who may have been near that area at the time to get in touch. Drivers in the area who may have dash cam footage are also urged to get in touch. The attacker was described as Middle Eastern in appearance, around six foot tall and of muscular build. He was wearing combat-style trousers and a grey jacket. He also had stubble and spiky hair. A spokesman for the Warminster and Westbury CCTV partnership said, We are working with Wiltshire Police and have provided CCTV footage and continue to assist them in their ongoing inquiries. Anyone with any information is asked to contact 101. Money for potholes. An extra £10 million over the next two years has been allocated by Wiltshire Council to fill potholes, resurface roads and tackle the causes of highways flooding throughout the county. The investment will also fund more small local repairs to verges on rural roads. The newly committed funding is in addition to the £20.7 million from the government's Highways Maintenance Fund 2024 to 2025, along with £5.2 million from the Road Surfacing Fund from the Department of Transport. An extra £1 million has been allocated by the Council for emptying gullies around the county on top of the £1.27 million they already spend on gully emptying. Cabinet Member for Transport Councillor Caroline Thomas said, This is all part of our business plan commitment to have vibrant, well-connected communities and to invest in our highways network. The changes won't happen overnight, but over the coming months, people in all areas of the county will see more resurfacing work, more potholes filled and more gullies emptied as this multi-million pound investment starts to bear fruit. End of the prescription ordering direct service. Email prescription requests sent to the POD or via the online form on the Bath and North East Somerset, Swindon and Wiltshire Integrated Care Board ICB website are no longer accepted. The service ceased on Thursday this week, but telephone lines are currently still available, although only between 10am and 3pm. The phone lines will shut permanently by June. Patients from the Avenue Surgery in Warminster and the White Horse Health Centre in Westbury will be affected by this change and are advised to order their medication through their GP practice or via the NHS app. An ICB spokesman said, All POD using patients will be contacted by their GP practice in the coming weeks with details of how their prescription needs will be managed once POD has closed. So people are kindly asked to be patient while waiting to hear from their surgery. Disruption anticipated during urgent sewer works. In order to allow Wessex Water to undertake the relining of nearly 300 metres of sewers, The stretch of Weymouth Street from the traffic lights to the Morrison's roundabout will be closed for three days in July. The work will cost around £70,000 to complete. Councillor Bill Parks said, The question being asked of the town council is whether they prefer a nighttime or daytime closure during these three days. The matter is to be discussed at a later meeting when the town council has further details. Food Bank Relocates 
The Warminster District Food Bank has now completed its move to the Athenaeum Centre from Dewey House in North Row. Staff from Warminster Town Council helped with the move and the location has a signposted entrance along the close. The food bank can be accessed every Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday from 9am to 12.30pm by telephone contact only. It works in partnership with other charities, health, education, housing and social services who all refer clients needing food assistance. Boots protest new pharmacy plans. Boots the chemist which closed its second pharmacy next to the Avenue Surgery at the end of last year has protested plans for a new pharmacy in Warminster. An application was submitted last month by Prime Scripps Limited for a new pharmacy to be situated in Broxburn Road. It would potentially serve 8,000 patients and offer Sunday opening times. Boots claim that there is no scope for a new pharmacy in the PNA Pharmaceutical Needs Assessment. However, this plan has been updated since the closure of the second Boots branch and states that there is adequate provision in the town. Wiltshire Council Health and Wellbeing Board support the application, as does David Reeves. Mr Reeves led the two petitions which were against the second Boots branch closing and he supports the application on behalf of those who signed the petitions he said. I hear lots of anecdotal evidence of the dissatisfaction with the queues at times and non-availability of prescriptions. After the closure of the Boots at the Avenue Surgery, I suggested that dissatisfied customers register this formally with Boots Customer Services. Such evidence would strengthen the case for a third pharmacy and force Boots senior management to take issues seriously. Wiltshire Council's Strategic Planning Committee is meeting uh, later on this week, Wednesday morning, to discuss the plans for 205 homes on land adjacent to Westbury Road here in Warminster. Campaigners are dead against it, and I've spoken to one of them, Andrew Lee. Right, so uh, with me now is Andrew Lee, and we're going to talk about the proposed developments off of Westbury Road. Thank you for coming in to talk to me. Um, first of all, what exactly is being proposed by... It's Barrett Homes, isn't it? It is. It's Barrett Homes, and they are proposing 205 houses on three fields along the Westbury Road, all of which are just outside the settlement boundary of Warminster, which has been established for about 20 years now. And I think I think anybody locally would probably be able to think of some uh, objections to, to this off, off the top of their head uh, without needing to, to think too much. But just take us through what, what some of the objections are to the, to the, to the plan. Sure. Well, the, the main objection really is that it's beyond the settlement boundary. That's something that would not normally be permissible because obviously you set a settlement boundary with an expectation that any housing need you have for any community will be fulfilled within that boundary. Um, Moving on from that, of course, there are 
plenty of opportunities at the moment uh, within Warminster to use brownfield sites to meet the development needs of the next 15 years. And um, listeners might be aware that there, there was recently an update to the local plan proposed. I think that was in November last year. And that proposal would see Warminster needing another 40 houses over those that have already been granted permission um, in the next 15 years. Well, 40 houses, if, if you bear in mind that it's now uh, legally possible to convert uh, disused retail units into housing, um, you know, it really wouldn't be that challenging to get that from brownfield sites. And of course, from the point of view of um, developing brownfield sites it's it's more ecologically sound uh, you're not putting up you know, you're not taking more land out of production uh, and that in turn leads on to another issue we have large amounts of agricultural land being taken out of production wiltshire has built more houses in the last 10 years than any other planning authority in the country and this is a county which is made up of prime farmland mm. now everyone's talking about climate change we're all worried about food security staggeringly wiltshire council do not keep a record of the number of fields lost to agricultural production so every time a plan comes up they judge that plan in isolation now I couldn't really tell you, even though I'm objecting to the application, that loss of three fields of agricultural land per se is the end of the earth. But if you look at the 20,000 houses that have been built in the last decade, nearly all of them on agricultural land, you have to look at these things cumulatively and say, can we afford to feed our population? Mm. 40 years ago, 80% of the food in this country was grown in this country. Now, if, if, if we're worried about global warming, we don't want to be shifting large volumes of food around the, the globe by air or by sea. We should be growing it ourselves. And yet we're now down at about 60% of our food need. So, so the loss of these agricultural, uh, this agricultural land is a serious problem. And it should be, and indeed it is within the national planning policy framework, that these things should be looked at and considered. Uh, and in terms of the, the, the sort of infrastructure of the, the planned development, I, I, I was trying to get my head around how it would work. And I, I think, is this development, if, if it was to go ahead, going to be almost like an island? Because to get, to get from it into the rest of Warminster, you'd need to leave the town and then come back in, I think, wouldn't you? Well, it's slightly bizarre because originally they were going to link everything up to the sewage system and then realised that because of the phosphate issue, uh, they'd almost certainly be turned down on that alone. So they then introduced the idea of reed beds. So there's going to be an on-site sewage treatment plant that will partially treat the, the sewage from the site and then there'll be reed beds which will finish the job off. Now, the, the first thing to note is the reed beds have been underwater for most of the last month because and it's something that some of the councillors don't, don't realise is that this is not a flat site. When we went to the planning meeting in November, two or three of the councillors on the committee kept referring to it being flat. It isn't. It's on a 
pretty steep slope running from you know from high ground to the east to low ground to the west so it all drains off and you get this marvelous flood at the bottom which is exactly where the reed beds are proposed now if you imagine those reed beds containing partially treated sewage being flooded and that flood water then going on both sides of the tracks towards town that's a significant health hazard and try as we might, we haven't been able to get the public health team at Wiltshire Council to take any interest in that as a health hazard. We're coming back to, forgive me, coming back to the point you, you were making, because of the fact that so much of the site will now be taken up with water storage, reed beds and a sewage treatment plant, the actual 205 houses are going to be rammed right close to the road. And they're going to be really compacted. So... If, if you look at the evolution of, of Warminster from the town centre towards the northern suburb, it's a fairly traditional English suburb. It goes from dense housing to less dense housing. What would happen if this gets approved, if you'll suddenly get this really dense, odd-looking bolt-on to the edge of the town, um, where with really small gardens, because by definition you get 205 houses into half the space originally proposed, the gardens are going to be tiny. It, it's really going to be a bit of a mess. And bordered by the railway line as well. Well, you've got the railway line down at the bottom, mm-hmm. though that will now all be bordered by reed beds and balancing ponds and you name it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but the other thing is, I mean, you always worry when you when when you talking about a subject like this you're going to end up sounding a bit nimby-ish about it we shouldn't forget that there is a genuine need for housing in Warminster uh, the problem is that that need for housing is not at a £300,000 price point and every time we get a new development uh, all the developers want to do is put up four bedroom houses £300,000, £350,000 each we have a real housing problem, not just in Warminster, throughout the county, and it's at a £150,000 price point that that housing need is really manifest. If you imagine that the average salary in this part of the world is 28000 a year. So if you're on an average salary, you're not going to get a mortgage more than 90000 So how are you going to afford a £350,000 house? How is that in any way helping those with a genuine housing need? Mm. Now, I'm dead against this application for a lot of reasons, but I have to tell you in truth that if what they were proposing was to put up 50 to 70 houses on those fields that were going to be priced at £150,000 each, I would morally be in quite a dilemma because I know that we need that housing. Mm. Uh, even if it is in the wrong place. Um, but, but you have to say the, these developments are consistently failing to, to do what we all need, which is to bri- provide good quality basic housing for those that need to get on the housing ladder. Mm. So talk us through the what is a quite complex planning system. <laughs> uh, I mean, we don't want to spend time going through the, the whole how the whole system works, but uh, where exactly in that complex process does this application sit at the moment? Well, well, you said it there. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. So ordinarily, what would happen is you go out to consultation. Uh, The town council has a say, the public have a say. It goes to a strategic planning committee in Wiltshire and they make a decision. 
Now, all that happened on the 1st of November last year. And for a variety of technical reasons, which I won't bore you with, they decided to approve the application, even though most of the councillors said it was a terrible site, it was a terrible application, and they would really rather not approve it legally. They felt they had no choice. And the planning officer directed them in, in that direction. Since then, a whole new set of rules have appeared in, in December last year. And because of those sets of rules... They are now in a position where a lot of the things the officer was quite rightly guiding them to do last year no longer apply. And because the application has not been signed off, so the committee met, they said yes, they approved it, but it's not signed off until something called a Section 106 agreement is is agreed. And that's basically where the developer offers to make a contribution towards the infrastructure that will be needed to support the new houses. That hasn't happened, so the officially this is not signed off. And because it's not signed off, they can go back and look at the new rules. And under the new rules, it, the officer is going to recommend refusal. Complicating that fact <laughs> is that because the developer realised the officer was going to recommend refusal, they've appealed to the planning inspectorate um, basically saying we've been messed around for too long on this and we want the planning inspector to uh, to deal with it. So though there's a meeting next Wednesday where the committee will consider the application, technically speaking, they are no longer the planning authority because it moves to the planning inspector because it's been appealed. However, we are hoping and we are led to believe that they will still take a vote on it Um, because that information will be useful for the planning inspector to reach his conclusion. That's the first layer. (laughs) The second complication is that after the, uh, the 1st of November meeting, when the committee approved the plans... Uh, a number of people requested the Secretary of State to intervene. Uh, And you can do that if you can demonstrate that uh, in approving the application by using the planning rules, it runs in, it contradicts another part of government policy. So in this instance, um, what we were able to say was, well, we understand that the planning rules mean that, uh, you know, we need more housing, and uh, they're there to try and get as good quality housing in the right place. But unfortunately, DEFRA also have a food security policy, and that by approving this application, it runs contrary to DEFRA's food security policy for the reasons we were discussing before about the, the loss of agricultural land. Now, since December... A call-in request has been sat on the Secretary of State's desk and we don't actually know what he's decided or even if he's reached a decision. Uh, I heard in January that they were still waiting for more information from Wiltshire Council. If they decide to call it in, then obviously the planning inspector won't get to hear it, but a public inquiry called by the Secretary of State will get to hear it, although that bizarrely will be led by a planning inspector because obviously they're the experts in this field so i'm sorry it is a a little bit of a complicated mess but that is the full picture as we sit here today 
So if, if there are people listening who want to, um, to give their view uh, either against or uh, indeed there might be people listening who, who possibly are, are in favour of it, is there still an opportunity that people can give their views? Not really. Um, I, mean, I mean, technically, I suppose between now and Wednesday, you can post a, a comment on the Wiltshire Council planning portal. Uh, to be honest, I think the, the chances of that being absorbed and, and taken into account between now and then is, is quite small. I think the best advice I could give is that if, if people want to comment, wait until the decision on Wednesday and wait and see whether it's going to the planning inspector or to a public inquiry. At that point, there's much more opportunity, A, a to comment and B, to have the time in place for for whoever's going to read the comments to actually read them properly and take them into account otherwise you're really putting up a comment for the sake of it and it might not well mm. not get read although it'll have to be by law put up there for people to see Mm. And just out of interest, I mean, you've been and others campaigning since this application was put in right at the very start. I mean, have you had any conversations with Barrett Homes? I mean, are, are they are they keen to engage or, or are they very much a uh, we're going to build these houses? Oh, it's very much the latter. They are not remotely interested in talking to us. Um, when they uh, when they came to the meeting on the 1st of November, we couldn't even get eye contact. The guy just sat in front of the microphone, stared straight ahead, rambled through his piece as to why this is the best development since sliced bread, and then got off. Uh, I mean, they are obliged by law to have a consultation prior to putting in the application. They did that. Uh, we understand the vast majority of feedback was negative, as you won't be surprised to hear. Um, and they just—they're in the business of building houses. They don't really—they have an obligation to do a consultation. They have no interest in taking account of what is said. They simply find lots of reasons for why what was said was wrong, and then just get on with what they plan to do in the in the first place. And uh, you know, we we shouldn't pick on Barrett's. No, they're no different from any other um, builder. And, and to be honest, it happens a lot with consultations these days. It, it's a tick box exercise. Um, there, there's one kicking off in Yeovil at the moment over the stroke service in the NHS. They had to do a consultation. They got the wrong answer. So basically, they're going to do it anyway. Uh, and they've just now got to find a set of justifications for ignoring public opinion. So I, I think it'd be wrong to pick on Barrett's particularly over that. But, but yes, that's the that's the way things go. Uh, so ju just to finish off, really, the, to summarise, the, the fight goes on, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and, and I think it's a twofold fight. It's to quash any suggestion of this site being developed and, and to respect the settlement boundary. And we need green fields. We need them for recreation as well as for agriculture. Um, and there are plenty of opportunities to develop brownfield sites in the town. But we do want to see those developed. And we do want to see decent homes coming forward at prices people can afford. Now, I, I don't know how one can do that within the planning system, 
But, you know, we shouldn't pretend that the need doesn't exist. We, we must lobby to try and get this sort of property built so that people can get on their housing ladder. Mm. And will you be at the meeting on Wednesday? I certainly will. I <laughs> thought you would be. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming in and talking to us. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. So we've talked about three really important local issues on this week's edition of the podcast. Uh, We're going to hear more in the weeks to come, I'm sure, about Westbury Road. We're going to keep uh, covering that one uh, and the proposed development there. can, do you have an idea for encouraging people to stay in the town instead of shopping elsewhere? It's a really complex issue. We'd love to hear your ideas as well on that one. Um, and uh, do get in touch about number three, the high street as well. Um, what's going on there? Uh, give us your observations over the week ahead. Does demolition work start or not? As ever, you can get in touch with me, andrew.robinson at wcrfm.org.uk. Listen to me on Saturdays. Community Chest is from 9 until noon every week. That's it around Warminster. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 